Last Sunday we looked at the call to salvation, and today we look at the call to service. And we look at a passage from 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10, a longer narrative. I'm not going to read the whole uh, text, but I want to read the end of the story, and then we'll come back and look at how it all happened in the life of Saul. So I'm going to read from chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, and I read verses 6 through 11. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel that God changed his heart. And all those signs came about on that day. And when they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he prophesied now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your uh, spirit, uh, your Holy Spirit who comes upon us mightily. Father, we pray for that today, that you would... Through your word, uh, teach us, your spirit would guide us, that you would empower us, O oh God, that we'd be willing to follow as you would lead us, that we would serve you, Lord Jesus, by serving one another for the honor and the glory of your name. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I will never forget the day that my uncle Kilp came to Jesus. His name was actually Hugo, but they called him Kilp. I knew something had happened because there was a gathering of people in a circle after the evening service at Bible camp, and they were all crying. (laughs) It was my mom and dad. It was my uncle and his aunt. It was the special speaker that night and, and some other family members gathered in this circle, arms around each other, tears running down their face. I thought, Something happened to Uncle Kilp. He must have come to Jesus. And indeed, he, he had. It wasn't until a few years later that I came to understand how, those event, how that event actually took place. Because he was not really interested in the things of God. His wife was, my dad's sister, she knew the Lord. But uh, he was a biology teacher for 40 years, taught evolution and so forth. And he, he just did not have any time for the Lord. Well... He was a fisherman, and so my dad said, why don't you come to camp? He said, you can fish all day. He said, I, I hear the fishing is good in Park Lake. Well, my dad didn't don't know anything about fishing, but he said, I, I think the fishing is good there. And so uh, Kilp came to that Bible camp with the idea of fishing. But guess what? God sent him to Bible camp for a whole different reason. (laughs) 
And he was so dramatically transformed that week. Uh, He became a Gideon. He started preaching the Word of God. And the people that knew him didn't know what hit him. They're wondering, what in the world has happened to Kilp? Kind of like with Saul. What in the world has happened to Saul? Is he among the prophets? What's going on in, in his life? And so that's what we see as we look at this passage of Scripture. We see God's work in the life of a man by the name of Saul. He didn't know this day was coming. This was the furthest thing from his mind that he would wake up and become the king of Israel. But God had a plan. And God called him. And Saul answered that call. So there are four lessons we learn about God's call to service in our text. The first one is that God's call comes unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. When Saul woke up that day, I don't think he thought, today's the day. I am going to be the first king of Israel. That would have been the furthest thing from his mind. Because if you look at how he's described early on, he was not uh, one who wanted to be the king. I mean, that was not something that he had on his radar. (laughs) But God had a plan for him. And it's very interesting how this plan started. Notice in chapter 9, verse 3. The donkeys of Kish, his father, were lost. So Kish says to Saul, I want you to go and search for the donkeys. And so he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, passed through the land of Shalishah, couldn't find them there, passed through the land of Shalom, but they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but he did not find them. You get this impression that everywhere he went, There was no donkeys. And so, in verse 5 of chapter 9, then he said to his servant, You know what? We better go back home. Because my father, he ain't going to be too concerned about the donkeys. He's going to be concerned about us. They must have been gone long enough that he was thinking, You know, Dad's going to be worried about me, let alone the donkeys. So, Saul was ready to go back home. But his servant had A different idea. Verse 6, his servant said to him, Behold, now there is a man of God in this city, and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us what's going on, why we can't find these donkeys. So Saul ends up meeting with the prophet Samuel, And the unexpected meeting between Saul and Samuel dramatically changed the course of his life. One of the things that we learn from Scripture, one of the interesting things, is that God's call sometimes comes very unexpectedly. Think of Abraham. Abraham was an old man. Abraham had a barren wife. And yet God called him to be the father of many nations. Who would have expected that? Certainly not Abraham. Moses was on the backside of the desert shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. And God called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Who would have expected that? Certainly not Moses. Gideon threshing wheat when God called him to deliver his people from the Midianites. Certainly that was a shock to Gideon. He thought... 
Who, me? You can't expect me to do that. Elisha was plowing in the field when God called him to be a prophet. So all of these people, the call of God became very unexpectedly. And so, look out. When you least expect it, no, I shouldn't say look out, but when you least expect it, you know, God may have something in store for you that from your perspective just came out of the blue, but from God's perspective was, was planned all along. Many years ago, there was an annoyed senior citizen. He lived in Richmond Heights, Missouri, and he hung up on President Reagan, not just once, but a half a dozen times because he thought it was, uh, uh, you know, not even happening. He thought it was a prank. And so finally, the White House operator, along with a neighbor, finally convinced him that it was real. And as a result, the man had the opportunity to visit with the President of the United States for 15 minutes. He thought, why would he be calling me? Why would the President of the United States be calling me? I'd suggest that some of you just might be like this, like this man. You don't think that God would actually call you? He might call someone else, but, but you? No, He's not going to call you. He's not going to call me. Why would He call you? Why would He call me, huh? Are you willing to answer if God calls you? Are you willing to do what He wants you to do? His call just might come a little bit unexpectedly. And maybe it could come to you very soon. Or God has a plan for you that you weren't aware of, but He's calling you. So His call just might come unexpectedly. The second thing we notice is that God's call comes providentially. Providentially. Saul and his servants traveled quite a distance looking for his father's donkeys. And we don't know how long they were gone, but it was long enough where Saul was worrying that he should go back home. And it would have been very easy, think of it, it would have been very easy for the servant to say, well, okay, I mean, if you think we should go home, we'll go home. I mean, what are servants supposed to do? Supposed to do what the master tells them to do. But this servant, uh, he had a suggestion that ended up being very providential. In verse 6, he says, no, let's, let's, there, there's a prophet here, and this prophet is trustworthy, so let's go ask him, if he knows about these donkeys that we're looking for. Now, do you think Saul's servant had any idea that Samuel was going to anoint Saul, the first king of Israel? That would have not entered his mind at all. He was concerned about the donkeys. Let's go ask him. Let's go ask the prophet. Maybe he can tell us where these donkeys are go- were. But God had something much greater in mind. God was using this unnamed servant to put Saul in contact with the prophet who would anoint him the first king of Israel. Isn't it interesting how one simple suggestion by a servant changed the entire course of Saul's life? Isn't that amazing? There's the providence of God. You know, that happened to me. Just one simple suggestion. My two brothers were going out bowling with their wives, and I wasn't married, didn't have anybody to go with. So guess what my dad did? He suggested that I ask out 
the gal over there, <laughs> who ended up being my wife. Did he know that was going to happen? I don't think so, unless he had plans I didn't know of. But that one little suggestion changed the course of history for my whole life. And I'm grateful that my dad made that suggestion. I didn't know what would happen from that, but God knew. Now, as Saul and his servant came to Ramah, they met then some young ladies who were drawing water at a well. Now, think of that, water at the well. There's a pattern here that we've seen in Scripture. And so they asked them in verse 11 if the seer was there. The seer was a term used for prophets in those days. Is the seer here? Just a simple question. But notice how they were given a woman's answer, long and detailed. <laughs> if you asked the guy, is the seer there, what would he have said? Yep. Yep. But they gave quite an answer in verses 12 and 13. They answered and said, he is. See, he's ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today, for the people have a sacrifice on the high place today. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for you will find him at once. That's a woman's answer, right? They got lots of words to use during the day, and so they gave all these details. I'm surprised they didn't tell them what the menu uh, would be that day. Kind of reminds me of, remember Dragnet? A lady would give me all these details, and was it Webb? Mr. Webb would say, just, just the facts, ma'am, just... Just the facts. Well, they gave him the facts. A lot of different facts. But what they said was true, right? It was accurate. Verse 14. So they went up to the city. As they came into the city, behold, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the high place. Just exactly as they said. Now, I mentioned women at the well. John Woodhouse says, anyone familiar with biblical history will recall that there have been a number of occasions when an encounter with young women at a well turned out to be very significant. The stories of Isaac, right? Jacob, Moses, each include a scene like this that was a defining moment in their lives. So, young unmarried guys, if you meet a woman at the well... I don't know what that will mean. It could be a defining moment in your life. It was for all of these people, and it certainly was for Samuel. So it wasn't just a servant that God providentially used in the life of Saul. He also used some women at a well. Interesting. Now, it's obvious that the Lord had his hand in the timing of this event, just a day before this, the Lord told Samuel, the prophet, exactly what was going to happen. Verse 15. Now, a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, about this time tomorrow. And notice what God is saying. I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. To Saul, it looked like just... Coincidence. But God said to Samuel, I'm sending him to you, right? I am sending him to you. And you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. 
And he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Here's the man. Behold the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall be ruler over my people. So, in his divine providence, God brought a man looking for donkeys to Ramah to meet the prophet Samuel. I would call this a divine appointment, right? God was orchestrating all of this to put Saul in touch with Samuel, using his servant, using these ladies at the well. So in Samuel's mind, it was clear. This guy is going to be the next king of Israel. God had told him that. But in Saul's mind, it wasn't so clear. (laughs) At least not yet. Look at verse 18. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel said, Well, I am the seer. So he said, Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And in the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that's on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, don't worry about them. We found them. And then he says this, And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel, is it not for you and for all your father's household? And Saul's probably thinking, Oh, wait a minute. What in the world are you saying? And so Saul replied, Am I not a Benjamite? of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family is the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin, why then do you speak to me in this way? What in the world are you saying to me, Samuel? I don't, I don't get this. As if to say, you, you, can't, you can't mean me. You can't be talking about me. I'm just a Benjamite, and my family, we're just nobodies. How in the world can you talk to me in that way? Now, if that sounds familiar, it ought to, because there are many people in Scripture whom God called to serve him that had very similar responses, right? Moses, what do you say? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Gideon, he said to them, Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? My family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. You you, you must be wrong. It can't be me. Jeremiah, what did he say? I'm just young. I'm just a youth. How in the world do you think that God could use me? There's something in common with all of these responses. When God called them to serve him, they looked at themselves instead of looking at him. And there's the trap, right? There's the trap. Because when God calls us, he does not want us to look at ourselves. Because when you look at yourself, what do you find? Failures, weaknesses, all kinds of things. But when you look to the Lord, what do you find? A God who knows what he's doing, right? A God who can strengthen you. A God who can use you, no matter how 
insignificant you might think you are. So what do you do when God calls you? Oh no, it can't be me. (laughs) You must mean the other Fred, (laughs) not me. God's call comes providentially. And he knows what he's doing when he calls. Thirdly, notice that God's call comes personally. Before Samuel told Saul of God's plan for his life, he invited him to a special feast. And he placed him at the head of the table. And I bet you Saul thinking, what is going on here? There were 30 men there. And Saul was given also a special portion of the meal. Verse 23, Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion that I gave you concerning which I said to you, set it aside. Then the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here is what has been reserved. Set it before you and eat because it has been kept for you until the appointed time. And if you're Saul, you're thinking, wait a minute now. What is this appointed time? What is this for? What are you going to say to me? So Saul must have wondered what in the world was going on. The 30 men who were gathered there must have also wondered. But it soon became very clear to Saul what was happening. Verse 25, when they came down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early, and at daybreak, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. And as they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Say to your servant that he might go on ahead of us and pass on. But you remain standing now, that I may proclaim the word of God to you. So let the servant go. I've got something to say to you. And then in chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Now it seems to me that Samuel had a very special purpose in sending the servant ahead of him. Because the call of God to lead the people of Israel was a personal call to Saul. Later on, Samuel would demonstrate publicly that he was the king. But here, it was just Saul alone. Just Saul alone to hear God's word from Samuel. Now, there's something important about this personal call. It's important because we need to be convinced of God's call to serve. We need to know with certainty that we are doing what God wants us to do because it will sustain us when we face the challenges of serving Him. I think of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. Remember there was that vision, this man from Macedonia saying, come over and and help us? In Acts 16.10, Luke writes this, he says, When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
They needed to know that God had called them to go to Macedonia because when they went to Macedonia, they faced hardship. The first city they went to was the city of Philippi. What happened in Philippi? Thrown in jail, put in stocks, beaten. Remember the earthquake came and the Philippian jailer was saved. If they had not been certain that God had called them, what might they have thought? I guess we made a mistake. I guess God didn't want us to be here. I guess God didn't call us. They were certain of the call of God. And you need to be certain of the call of God. Because if you are not, when the first trouble comes, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe this wasn't God's will. I remember... When I was wondering about what the Lord wanted me to do with my life. And finally coming to the point of saying, Okay, Lord, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And it was at that time, then, I began to sense that God wanted me in, in, in ministry. And I remember how, in sharing that with my dad, he didn't just immediately say, Praise God, I've been praying for this. You know why? Because he did not want my entering into the ministry to be in any way pleasing him. He wanted to be sure, me to be sure, that this was the call of God. And so looking back, I was kind of puzzled during that time, you know, because I thought, well, you know, he's a pastor. He'd probably be happy if I was a pastor, but he understood the call of God. But I needed to be certain that this was what God wanted for me. And when that point came, then obviously he rejoiced. But he knew that inner call of God needs to be there. So that when times of difficulty come, you're not saying, okay, I guess I made a mistake. It was a very personal call that God gave to Saul. Here's the very encouraging thing, the fourth thing. God's call comes powerfully. Powerfully. Put yourself in Saul's shoes. You get up one morning and you're looking for donkeys. And then you find out you're going to be the king of Israel. What a daunting thing. Can you imagine being the leader of an entire nation? That must have been overwhelming. When I think of the presidential election, I ask myself, who in the world would want to be the president of the United States? Not me. I mean, talk about a daunting task. So when God called Saul to be the king of Israel, notice how he looked at his own weakness. He said, am I not a Benjamite? I'm just of the smallest tribe. My family is the least of all the tribes of Benjamin. Why do you speak to me this way? Why do you call me this way? And that reminds me of the question that the Apostle Paul asked in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Who is adequate for these things? Who is adequate? Do you know what the answer to that question is? Who is adequate? No one. No one. But you've got to read on. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4, Paul says, Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. 
Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. So Paul is saying, who is adequate for these things? There isn't anyone. Because our adequacy does not come from ourselves. It comes from the Lord. It comes from Him. And that's what Samuel wanted Saul to know. He wanted Saul to know that God would give him all that was needed to fulfill the calling that he had been given. Listen to what he says in in chapter 10. Verse 6, Samuel said, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. (laughs) I love that. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. Now, if Saul knew his history, He would have understood the significance of these statements that Samuel made. Because that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, is a phrase that was used several times in the book of Judges. In the life of a man that you've heard of by the name of Samson, right? Judges 14.5, then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. Guess what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. The exact phrase that Samuel said to Saul. So that he tore the lion as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. (laughs) Imagine that. Judges 14, 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them. Judges 15, 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey... So he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. So that phrase, if, if Saul was familiar with the scripture, he would say, aha, I've heard that before. Yes, that's the life of Samson. And if God was able to give Samson that power where the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, God, I can trust you. And so that was a very key uh, statement by Samuel. There's another one. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. That reminds us of a man by the name of Gideon. A very fearful man, right? Lord, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to throw out this fleece, right? So God answers. If you really want me to do this, I'm going to throw out the fleece again. And God, God says, I'm going to be with you. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. (laughs) Valiant warrior. We know the story, right? He starts off with 32,000 and God says, You know what? That's a little too much. Let's just narrow it down a little bit. 
10,000. God says, that's still a little bit too much. We don't want you to boast about what you've done, so let's, let's go with 300 men. Well, the Lord was with him. And one with the Lord is a majority, right? I mean, God did a marvelous work there. And so these statements that Samuel made to Saul were wonderful encouragements that God would give him the power to do what he had called him to do. And if you look at the end of this narrative, that's exactly what happened. Verse 9 of chapter 10, Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. And all those signs came about on that day. When they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he prophesied now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? (laughs) Isn't that great? Something has happened to this man. What in the world has happened to the son of Kish? That's what they said about my uncle Kilp. What in the world has happened to Kilp? This man that believed in evolution and taught it for 40 years is now preaching the word of God. What on earth has happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Jesus changed him. Changed his heart. The Spirit of God came upon him mightily. People saw what God can do to call someone to serve him, like Saul, like my uncle Kilp. So I need to ask you today, is God calling you? Does God have something in store for you? Is there some unexpected way through his providence that God is going to say, I've chosen you? And you say, what? Are you kidding? I'm just, uh, whatever, you know. Then God says, guess what? I'm going to give you the power and the strength and the wisdom to do what I've called you to do. So his call may come unexpectedly and providentially, but you can be sure it will come with the power to do what he wants you to do. I was so amazed in hearing the story of the Joris with their situation in Uganda being robbed. And the statement of little Julia, eight years old, here's what she said. For as long as I live, I will always know that Jesus is all that I need. There's the faith of a little child, right? For as long as I live, I will always know that Jesus is all I need. There's the bottom line right there, right? If God's God's call comes to you, and you look at yourself and say, Oh, not me. Think of little Julia, right? For as long as I live, now I know that Jesus is all I need. He will strengthen you. He will empower you. He will equip you for whatever he calls you to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your call to Saul 
your call to Moses, to Jeremiah, to Gideon, to many people throughout history called to serve you in some way. Lord, I pray that you would call us, that we'd be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to to go where you want me to go, to do what you want me to do. Lord, I know in myself I'm weak. I'm not adequate for these things, but my adequacy comes from you. And may your Spirit, O God, come upon me mightily for the honor and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.